Is episodes once a week not enough for you? Or are you looking for more technical information from the Mixing Music Podcast? Well, guess what? Now you can. You can subscribe to our exclusive content and triple the amount of episodes that you get access to. That's right. Instead of the free once a week episodes, you get three episodes a week for only $4 a month or $40 a year. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive to get access to those episodes now. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me as always is Long Lou. <laughs> yeah, whatever that means. We're talking yeah. about the length of your room. In the last oh, I thought we were, we're talking, talking about, about the RTA mics. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh, Earthworks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Earth, Earthworks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, they, they have two measurement mics, and one just looks like a chub version of the other. Okay, well, <laughs> well uh, this episode is pretty interesting. It's going to be pretty... We, we need to get on the same page. You as the listener, uh, us as the Working creators. Professionals. This is there's this is something that we were trying to answer questions on the live stream. Shout out to uh, DL on YouTube that's asking a lot of great questions. And on the download. This is something that I think is going to be an interesting topic. We're gonna it's kind of ambiguous. Uh, we're hoping to be able to slash down the ambiguity and kind of come up with solid ideas. But the basic thesis is what is quality music? Questions like, is the mic and the preamp, is that's what's keeping me from doing quality music? Mm-hmm. Is learning sound the- uh, music theory keeping me from making quality music? What is the difference between those at the top that are doing well and making a really great living off of music and those at the bottom that are not. I think the, uh, on a basic level, this is just a super basic thought, but I think it goes back into people's practice, like the time invested in actually doing it versus making one record. That's so amazing. Like some people I've met that have, they'll tell me like, bro, I got like 300 songs like ever since I started and then I meet other people that are like, yeah, I've got like these five songs that are really good. And then you listen to the guy with 300 songs and he's got amazing records because he's gone through the trial and error. He's ran into all the issues, the latency issues, the mic just suddenly dying and whatever and or positioning it better because there's too much echo in one part of the room. Like that person has ran through so many errors that he's probably corrected himself along the way. So maybe the first hundred didn't sound that great, but the last 200 actually started getting gradually better and better to the point where maybe the last 50 records actually were great, amazing quality. But the person that was focused on those five songs and never wanted to record unless it was under the perfect situation and circumstances, that could have actually been worse because they waited so long to do something that they never got the practice in. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of different, again, this is pretty ambiguous and there's not really like a solid foundation we're talking about. Obviously, yeah. we're going to talk about experience and practice and how that's going to be the biggest thing. But there's a couple other ideas that I want to, I want to point out and some differences that are consistent. Yeah. So, um, by the way, if I say something and it triggers you and you feel like I'm attacking you personally, that Too is bad. probably, that is what. <laughs> Too bad. Too fucking bad. That is what uh, Carl Jung describes as your shadow, and it is it is your secret desires and wishes leaking out from you. You are unable to keep the de- you're unable to continue to deceive yourself if you get upset by the things that we're saying. That is your ego telling you something about yourself. So, 
um, to be. So if something does upset you or you disagree with me heavily, this is a great time to look inward and to really take the time to think about whether or not this is affecting you or not. You okay. should check yourself before you wreck yourself in the great words of Ice Cube. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, this is, I want to break it down into some like macro ideas, some bigger ideas, and then we'll slowly get more and more specific. Yeah. But Lou, let me take the lead on this one here. Take it. Is, is one of the most, the first thing that I want to talk about, which is very empowering. Mm -hmm. This is very empowering, very important. We talk about this constantly and I will continue to repeat it because it's the biggest difference between professionals that make a level of living, Mm -hmm. whether it's high or low or whatever. And, and those that are unable to figure out how to make a living. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, I cannot, we're going to do an entire episode about this, but how fucking low the bar is. This bar sure. is so fucking low, but the number one between those that are doing well and making a living, mm-hmm. shout out to Gilby who just came into the chat. Oh yeah. You know, and you know, everybody knows, Lou and I knows, those that are doing well, working with high level artists, high level label sessions, getting paid quite a bit, the biggest difference is they all they never ever ghost and they always reply to emails on time. Nope. They 100% of the time show up to their meetings on time. For example, this is quite often. Most people that are not professionals, hey, let's have a writing session sometime next week, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Tuesday, 6 p.m. rolls by and then half the group is like, hey, something came up, I can't go. Yeah. That is... That is the bar. That's how low the bar is. Like, all you have to do is just show up at 7 p.m. on Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) And then you're better than already more than half the people. (laughs) So that's the first thing is when the level of the project is really high is uh, the level of the project is really high. The first thing is that the professionalism is extremely high. And this is the number one thing that's missing with most people um, that are that are uh, working at the top. Yeah. That, or sorry, that's missing from the people that quite can't figure out why they're not making enough money from it mm-hmm. is is level of professionalism. If you, if you forget to reply to one email, this has happened to almost every producer artist. You work with an engineer and they just ghost you and then a month later they're like, oh yeah, here's the files. Or like they refuse to send you files or they refuse to fix something for you because it's a hassle for them. Yeah. That's how low the bar is. Yeah. That's how low the bar is. If you just do that, you're going to do really well. Um, there's other things too, like we're going to maybe, so we're, we're not going to go too much on that because that's a whole nother episode mm-hmm. on itself and something that I'm deeply passionate about that's really empowering. Um, uh, DL, when I, sorry, I'm going to speak directly to DL here who's making some comments. Um, sorry, I wasn't speaking specifically to you about that. That was that was a general thing. That wasn't actually meant to be directed to you. That those comments, um, but anyway, uh, number two that what I want to talk about is um, is location real quickly. Mm-hmm. Location. If you want to be winning Grammys, you're very unlikely to win them outside of California, New York, Tennessee, yeah, Nashville. Like that's just how it is. That's just how it is. Um, you you gotta move. <laughs> You got to move. That's literally, that's if you want to work at that level and you don't have to work at that level, but if you're, and and that level literally becoming the best at your game and being seen as someone that does high quality work, it's oftentimes branding, which is another thing that we can talk about. But 
you want to work with other high high quality people, um, they're usually out in these big cities. Yeah. That's just how it is. Leslie Brathwaite, when we work together, and this is common advice from those that are doing well, is how can I make my mixing, engineering, producing career better? Like, um, oh, also Atlanta. You know, shout yeah. out to Leslie for being from there. Always, always trying to hype up Atlanta as a, as a valid music industry location. Um, but uh, he, Leslie Brathwaite. Um, amazing engineer, great person, always talked about, it's like, hey, sometimes it's not the mixing that needs to be better. It's where you're at. It's things that don't matter to the level of your mixing. It's things like where you're living, your professionalism. Those mm-hmm. things are keeping you from doing better in the music industry, not how good you are at mixing. Yeah. Um, because honestly speaking, that's another thing too, is like being seen as someone that does high quality work is not necessarily like, a skill thing. There's no objectively better yeah. mix. There's no objectively better production. It's just that if you have the brand that you continually make high quality stuff and that's your branding, yeah. even if you make something really wacky and weird, you know, mm-hmm. like for example, like Metro Boomin doesn't make always the most normal stuff. Sometimes yeah. it's out there, man, you know, but people are like, assume that it's high quality just because Metro yeah. Boomin make it like, that's a branding thing to a certain degree. And obviously it sounds good. People are aware have taste yeah um so uh that's that's a big part of it too the branding and being super consistent so it's all of these like one percent things done over a course of years that um that are that builds sorry i'm, I'm kind of losing my thought here i'm going crazy hmm. uh pick up where i'm where pick up where i'm putting down lou Okay. But um, branding and quality is something that is not, you're not building up to it, something that's eventually recognized. I've seen people that have no yeah. recognition that are making the most high quality beats, high quality yeah. mixes. They're just like the secret engineer that nobody knows about that's just for some fucking reason just so good. Yeah. But they're just not doing well. And yeah. I've seen people that are doing really, really well that mm-hmm. are, are less than ideal. Yeah. So a good example of this is one of my friends, uh, Matt. I met him back in like the Sam Ash days. And like he's actually a graphic designer, I believe. Um, but basically he does like the animation and graphic stuff for video games. Uh, like I think he was working on um, – what was that big one? Not World of Warcraft. Uh, it was another competitive one. I think Machi plays it. But um, essentially, uh, was it Frozen or something like that? The company? I don't know. Um, But point is, you know, he's a video game developer. And his mixes, his productions, everything were insanely good. And yet I was around people who were actually actively trying to work on things. And they just couldn't get it to there. There's going to be outliers. There is. You know, there's going to be people who can outdo each other any point. But the difference between those who are actually doing good, a lot of times, like DK said, is branding. If you wanted to actually be seen as something, you had to present yourself as something. You had to be consistent in that something. You know, if you want to be a mastering engineer, you got to stop promoting mixing. You can Ooh, still do it. But that- if you want to be taken seriously as a mastering engineer, you got to stop mixing uh, or at least stop publicly mixing. You can still mix songs here and there, you know, do, take care of your clients, you know, make your money. If DK wants to be taken seriously as a mixing engineer, it's not that he has to stop mastering. He can still offer it, but he's probably offering it on the phone call or in the conversation, not online. Yeah. That's, Your public is, image is the difference between what you are and what people think you are. This is this is so important. That's a whole other topic we've brought up and yeah. we haven't brought up in a while. But like, yeah, if people, you want to be a mix engineer, yeah. you need to stop tracking. I'll give you a good example of this. Here's two that I got hit with in the last couple of years. Uh 
when I started promoting only mastering, it's because of a scaling issue in my business. I couldn't be working on so many mixes um, with as much time as I need per mix versus as much as I need per master while also running like my studio design company and everything because I've been getting really busy with that to the point where I'm like, instead of battling deadlines, I need to reevaluate what it is I want to do. And I actually really like mastering. So I went to mastering, but a lot of people started saying, oh, so you don't mix anymore? Like, I can't book you for mixing anymore? I'm like, you still can, but my focus is to shift into exclusively mastering. So you can still do everything if you want. You can still be a jack of all trades if you want, but your brand is the biggest reason that people are booking you, especially people that don't know you, because you build a brand and they look at your brand and they say, well, this person has X amount of people that they've worked with. There's a playlist with hundreds of songs on it. Um, They have a YouTube channel showing tutorials so I can actually trust what's going on and what's in front of me. You know what? Let me give this guy a a shot. Let me give him a ring. Let me email him and see what this uh, is about. But if you're the person that just has really, really good quality product, but your branding sucks, you're bound to get booked less than the person with consistency, even if that product isn't as good. Uh, like uh, there's going to be, if you look at your market, a good, good idea whenever you start a business is to research your market, right? You look at the competitors, you see what they're doing, and you try to see if you can match, if not do better. And uh, you try to figure out also if their brand technically has a lower or inferior product, why are they so successful? You know, and it's usually branding. Like, look at, I'm not saying that KRK is bad. If you have KRK and you like it, whatever, you like it. But I don't like KRK. Um, and that might bite me in the butt in the future, but so be it. Um, but anytime I see KRKs, I kind of have an opinion already built. You know, it's like the egg foam crates and stuff like that. That's that's your, that's your, you're talking about branding and how branding can affect. Exactly. So like some people will buy a set of speakers because they know it's the popular speaker and all the new people use it. Some people buy a speaker because they want to make sure that it translates with the current trends that are moving. So like uh, the PMC 6.2s have been very popular in the last year. And a lot of people have them. I know people who have bought them because they're like, well, that's what everybody's using. And I know what people who have bought it that they just want to keep consistency. PMC's branding and their marketing has been so good that they're just getting bought out, even if you believe that the speaker is better or not. I know people who buy it not because they believe that it's better, but because they want consistency when they're translating their mixes to their client speakers. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch the topic a little bit into, so we, we talked about branding. We talked about uh just regular business ethics and business practices. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about self-improvement and professionalism. Yeah. Um, what it, Going back to the original thesis of what is quality music, I want to briefly speak on um, the delusion of looking at music in retrospect. Yeah. For example, this is, we analyze classical music. Mozart. Why was Mozart so genius? Why, and even to modern music, why did this Katy Perry song hit so hard? Yeah. Like, why did, in retrospect, things that people did seem so obvious. Okay, Bruno Mars went from this key to this key and he made the chorus do this and he used this sort of turnaround. That's why it popped off. That is the least courageous way to figure out. I, this is something that bothers me about that. It's like, yes, in retrospect, of course we can put like said throat like so some line of logic yeah thread the line of logic through it right but when you're in the moment creating a song 
you have no fucking clue what makes it pop off. Mm -hmm. If there was some sort of algorithm, like for example, it used to be very popular to talk about song structure. The more choruses you have, mm -hmm. you know, you have to have a first verse, chorus, second verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, maybe fade outs do better than, than if you have a repeating phrase that fades out, it's going to be more hooky and people want to, you know, yeah. there's, that was very popular for a while. In retrospect, it's really easy to determine what made something pop off, what made something perform so well, what makes it high quality. Yeah. But in the moment, what is high quality? Nobody has a fucking clue. What is a hot, hot pop song or a hit song? Nobody has a fucking clue. And, and yeah. let me prove it to you simply. If you didn't, if the labels had a specific algorithm, Mm -hmm. to make sure songs will pop off. If you do this, this song is going to pop off. If you yeah. do it, it's going to do well. They wouldn't have to invest so much fucking money. In trying on, new artists. In, in trying new artists, in trying new songs that go nowhere. In fact, they'd probably have a roster of 10 artists and that's it. There you go. You don't have to invest in any other artists. You just have the same 10 artists make the same songs that will theoretically do well. But the thing is, that is not a thing. Yeah. When, when it how comes many, to how art, many times have we talked to engineers who like they recently got big, they just had a hit record, and it's like, so what do you think was different? It's like the luck, the record did well. The luck came in on that one. And I, I didn't do anything different. It's just that this record seemingly did better than others. And here's the thing too: like, there's lots of moments, even in engineering, where this happens. Yeah. It happens on accident. For example, who's the guy? Doom, 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 doom. Oh, uh, uh, Tarzan. Uh, yeah, Tarzan music. What's his name? Anyway, you know what I'm I talking know, about. I know who you're talking about. I know who you're Off talking about. Off the top of my head. The sun in the air tonight. Okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> that sound of the hyper crushed Tom's going, Phil Collins. Thank you, yeah. Gilby. Okay. Phil Collins, that song, that was totally on accident. They had plugged in, they had patched in the talk back mic through the SSL conscious, yep. which is hyper compressed. And they accidentally recorded that hyper compressed sound. And that's why it's very roomy. And it sounds like that, that was on accident. And that became a very hit sensation. Yeah. Even something like a gated reverb was on accident. Yeah. That was though. Uh, um, this is another thing too. People are obsessed with the microphones that, that uh, the Beatles used in recording at yeah, Abbey Road. The, uh, They're like, the why did RCAs. they use? Yeah, why did they use this mic? This is now a legendary mic. This and is the forty-four. Out, you have to have a forty-four. Yeah, and and or even like just some shitty dynamic mic. And they asked the engineer, "Why did you use this mic? This is now a legendary mic. It, the the value skyrocketed ten times because ever the world now knows that this is one of the secret mics you use that nobody knows about. Why did you use this mic? And the genuine, honest to goodness answer from the engineer was because it was already plugged in and already on a stand yeah <laughs> that was the answer yep. so it's like in retrospect we kind of thread this line of logic this is the reason why it's a high quality song it was this theory it was this movement it was this sort of yeah it's not like no it's joke not that. like i remember i was working out of record plan on an album and uh we basically wanted to plug in through just whatever gear they had there that sounded right for the moment and i was like you know what i don't really care about using a neve uh so we'll just run the vocals through the ssl because it's already on the channel as far as compressor they had 1176s la2as and a couple other things Running through each one of them, I could hear that all of them were distorting. So I just went with a distressor, the only thing that didn't sound like it was distorting. And they're like, oh, man, yeah. So, like, what you using? You using the tube tech? You using the LA-2A? I'm like, nope, just the distressor and the SSL. They're like, you got all this, and this is all you're using? I'm like, it's the only thing that worked. 
that's it. Sometimes records were cut on certain items because it was the only thing that worked. There you go. Not every studio, like I promise like, you, and like a, that didn't need repair. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, <laughs> Some of these studios that you're in LA paying two, three thousand dollars for, I hate to tell you, but. I've been in some pretty shitty, expensive rooms. There, there you go. Okay, so the next thing that we're going to go into now, so we talked about luck as well. Um, the the only thing that I'm going to talk about real briefly, putting a cap on that, mm-hmm. is that there are some things that trends that do statistically help. Yeah. For example, like right now the trend is shorter songs. And the reason for that is because it forces people to repeat more. And the more repeated, the more repeats and the more plays you get, um, the more the algorithm boosts the song, yeah. the more money you make, per, you know, because you get a lot more streams, things of that nature. Um, there are like some things at various different times, which people have theories on, but those don't, those things kind of like help you focus your gamble. Like it's all, it's still gambling, but you're kind of like, you know, putting them in, in different buckets that are based on what p- other people are yeah. thinking and saying. So it's still gambling, but even at super high levels, it's crazy at labels, even within, we had an episode where I interviewed the marketing director of position music. And basically they're all gam- Even professionals are gambling the same exact way as every independent artist. It's the same gambles. It's just gambling at scale. Yeah. That's all it is. They're just posting way more TikToks. They're just posting way more Instagram reels. They're just posting way more content. And, there are you they are working with higher quality content creators that are focused on starting off with a hook and saying these specific words and generalizing and fan baiting, you know, and, and yeah. there's these different techniques. If you have an intro, feed some of the chorus lyrics as a filtered vocal at the beginning of the song. Yeah. So there's like some things that like that's not what makes a quality song or that's not what makes the song successful. It or makes it gives it a vibe. It yeah, gives it an era almost. So it's, so that's what it is. And then, yeah, there's some songs that do really, really well that kind of suck. And some songs that don't, a lot of songs that sound fucking so good from a creative production or even like engineering level, but get 12 plays. It's, it's insane. So it's, it's gambling. It's, it's high level gambling. That's all what people do. Okay. So again, going back to what makes a high quality song versus a low quality song, it's not a tone. It's not a threshold. It is something that is determined in retrospect. I feel like that's what it is. I think that's the answer to the thesis. Like it's not something that you, it's not something that you need to do. It's not of a piece of equipment that you need to have. It is something that is determined in retrospect after the song is done. Yeah. Was this a high quality song? Because when you're in the moment, even professionals have no fucking idea. The last thing that I want to talk about to kind of push the push it past the threshold here is we cannot negate experience. Yeah. You cannot negate experience. I will say that professionalism most likely it is a decision that you have to make, but that decision you don't come to the point where you have to decide whether or not you're going to be the type of person that is going to be super professional unless you've been putting in the work. You realize that I'm willing to eat shit for this. I'm willing to do more for this. It's it's through experience that you determine. You double down on how professional you're going to be and how how you see how much value it is to A&Rs and managers when you reply to emails, to artists when you actually reply consistently. Like you see how much they love it and how much they're willing to pay for it. And then slowly with experience, you start doubling down on that those mm-hmm. things. You start doubling down on ideas and like chorus maybe and things that have worked for you in the past. Maybe you like to write songs in a specific way that nobody else is doing, but you like the way it sounds and you double down on that. Yeah. Right? Through experience. Experience is the last thing. It is not... 
it's not some sort of threshold that we get to. It is through experience, I think that you find it and you determine and you allow everybody else to determine that this is high quality. Because even when Billie Eilish released her album, not this last album, but the one before, like her first album, um, technically you can argue that it sounds like shit because it was really distorted, it was dark, it was moody. Yeah. From an engineer's perspective, it's not Katy Perry, it's not Charlie Puth pop. Yeah. Like, so... It's it's low quality from an up till that point, like how we understood music up like to that point. No auto tune. Yeah, and then and then it comes out and it's a huge success and people relate to it emotionally and then that's now considered high quality. That was yeah. a really high quality record, you know, when it was done in a way that doesn't sound necessarily good. I'll, I'll say it like this: um, a a good example for me would be the Scorpion album by uh, Drake. I think it sounds like shit. But yet every client for that year that was doing music in that realm was like, I want it to sound like Scorpion. So Trends even, are made, yeah. Yeah. So even if it didn't sound high quality, it could be high quality to somebody else, but depending on your demographic. So high quality cannot be determined specifically on one person's taste. Yeah. So again, high quality is determined only in retrospect, but it's yeah. it's like... But it's also this thing like through experience, you become hyper confident in your sound and your taste and you do something that you like and you find out that other people like it too. Yeah. Even if it's up until that point understood as technically incorrect then and then you find out that it that that's what made it beautiful yeah. later. It's this interesting thing. The point is with music, it is a form of art. It is not a subjective thing. It is, yeah. or it's, it's, it's not an objective thing. It is a very subjective thing. There's a reason why really heavily distorted TikTok music, which literally <laughs> I'm getting paid so much money to work with some of these artists that like all it is just distorted drum and bass fast kind of yeah. stuff. And people eat that shit up because it's just punk rock, man. Yeah. It's it's punk rock in the sense that it's it doesn't take a ton of music theory. It doesn't take a lot of understanding music. It's just very emotionally, it connects with the younger audience. It connects yeah. with people, and that's what makes it high quality. It's not high quality technically, but it's doing better than Mozart on vinyl. You know, yeah. like it's it's what is high quality? Um, it's super this concept is super interesting. Uh, I think it's I think that if you think of it as a threshold, that if you do this well, then all of a sudden you learn how to do high quality. There's some, there's a difference between if you're a producer and you're like, the difference between Metro Boomin and I is something that yeah. there, that something doesn't exist is the point that we're trying to make. Yeah. It's, it's more of like, it's just a path that you take and you find yourself on. And then all of a sudden you realize, Oh shit. I'm doing good. Or, or even, and there's others times where it's like, you find that you're, you 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 don't have that much experience, but something you do goes viral, and then all of a sudden you're competing with Metro Boomin, you know, or like mm -hmm. another producer. Just because you had a few f viral songs, but you have significantly less experience than other people that are doing just as well. Um, it's there's a lot of variables, and there's no solid thing. But I I want to be clear, like. I'm a big fan of this with the podcast. You'll notice is that I'm all about empowering people to try their best and to continue to work at it. And what I'm not trying to do is to scare people. What I'm trying to do is make you feel empowered that to a certain degree, I want you to accept and understand that us two, none of us know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. You can take this to as, as an, to an existential level if you want to. But the fact is all of us 
including Beyonce. We're just pretending that we know what the fuck is happening. Nobody knows what the fuck is happening. And that is an uncomfortable truth that our egos cannot handle because Mm -hmm. our egos wants to tell us that the reason why I'm not like Beyonce is because Beyonce has resources that I do not have or has some sort of secret Illuminati knowledge that I don't have. I'm here to tell you (laughs) it's, there is none of that. It might be a marketing budget. Of course, but you know, <laughs> but Beyonce didn't get one just because, you know, she yeah. earned a marketing budget. Yeah. She got there. You know, there was people that believed in her. Yeah. And she's just been doing it for decades. You know, some of the people that I found wanting to work with, literally from going to mixers. Like, right. literally, you want, you want the connections, you want to spread the word about your music, go out there. Get out there. And you know what's crazy is, and this is the most empowering thing, going to mixers, mm-hmm. networking, Working on music every single day, trying to get better, whatever the fuck that means, doing research, fucking dude, reading books. <laughs> yeah. Like, like here, I'm gonna tell you right now, reading books at the library, rent, borrowing books, gaining knowledge through reading. Most people aren't willing to, it's fucking free. Most people aren't willing to do it. And Exercise if- is free, but most people aren't willing to do it. Most the difference between those that are doing well, making high quality stuff in retrospect, and those that are doing really poorly, it is it is the things that are free just done at scale. It is gambling yeah. done at scale. I literally talked to a former engineer of Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. Lil Wayne like is super efficient with his time. Yeah. Super efficient. He like it's kind of unhealthy, he says. They're the high performers are not doing anything we they are not doing anything different than the low performers. They're just doing it at scale. Mm-hmm. They're they're working on the one percent at a time to like sleep sleep schedules, morning routines, um, impulse control, uh practice and and being hyper consistent. Those that are high performing don't have time to say, I don't feel like making beats today. Like yeah. they, that's not even a concept that they understand. And that's not something that's like that's not that's not a physical thing that's keeping you from being at that level. That's just a decision that they've made, potentially coming from some level of trauma and never being able to feel like they're enough, whether it's from their parents, whatever. Yeah. Um a deep level of insecurity can create hyper, hyper, high performer, high performers, yeah. right? But, um, Lou, sorry, I'm I'm trying to. I have a hard time putting a, a lid on this. Okay, please try to make a conclusion with this and and this cloudy thought that I'm having. Okay. Um. Honestly speaking. Just be you, be the artist that you actually, or work with the artist to become their own unique product. Because the reality is, if nobody knows what the fuck they're doing, tell me one song where every feature sounded like the same fucking person. If everybody wanted to feature with Drake because they have that sound, then if everybody sounded like Drake, then there would be no reason for anybody else but Drake. Um, honestly speaking, just keep pushing. Just release the music. And honestly speaking, if you want to get better as an engineer, what what makes high-quality mixes as an engineer? Just send them to the artist and get your revision notes. They'll let you know what they specifically want and watch what happens when you send those same tracks to one of your engineering buddies. They're going to give you a whole different set of notes. You're never going to get that one mix or that one artist that sounds perfect great you just got to keep pushing through it and that's why the whole notion of like the artist with 300 tracks versus the artist with five songs that they're really passionate about is so important because if nobody knows what the fuck they're doing 
then at a certain point you need just you just need to put it out there turn in your work on time with deadlines uh turn it in a week early so you have some wiggle room for revisions if you need them but at the end of the day if nobody knows what the fuck they're doing and everybody is on the same platform then i hate to tell you just put it out see what happens let let your fear become the thing that you're really pushing against let that fear fuel what you're doing but honestly speaking when I quit my nine to five to focus on this. I, I wasn't thinking if I had the highest quality, I was thinking if I can consistently find work. Amen. Yeah. That's the, uh, I think at the end of the day, those that are high performers that make high quality music truly genuinely learn to love the work. Yeah. Love the work, not the end results, but the process. Yeah. The end results will every year. I feel like I have a new best mix, new best master, like the, the records that, uh bob sent me to master this weekend um he went from sending me tracks that he mixed and ma- uh, whatever through echo bar and then now he's doing them from home you would assume that a lot of people are like man i don't have this multi-million dollar facility blah 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 anymore my my quality of record is going to change and this and that. No, he's still very fucking good. It's he himself has found a consistency through how much work he's doing consistently. He has found a method that works best for him, but that method may not work for everybody. Some people cannot mix in their living room and stuff like that after having just come out of a major studio. And because of that, he's still getting what everybody would call a high quality product out there, but it's because he found what works for him through consistency. And that is, that is the rap. What makes a high quality song? It's the amount of work that you put in before you made that song. Yeah. It's the consistency that you did. So um, this, is, this is one thing that it's true. The higher up you go, like wanting to do it for a Grammy, wanting to do high quality songs to be recognized, that only goes so far. What happens once you reach that goal? You get to the finish line. You get recognition. Now you don't need it anymore. Yeah. You because you've already been recognized. Do you stop making music? Dr. Dre could have stopped a long time ago. Even yeah. we'll even go as far as to say, like he didn't need if, to do the Super Bowl. He if, still would have been just as popular. Yeah. If Jeff Bezos may, was doing it for the money, he would have stopped a decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Did you have you seen the website spend Jeff Bezos money? Yeah. Yeah. Like so, you could still buy the entire NFL and still have more money than anybody else in the world. So I mean, this is this is this is the thing. Like it's I'm trying to be really serious about this. It's, it's, um, you have, if you want to do well and if you want to find balance and get to a point where you can start consistently make high quality, build a brand, uh, do like in order to have the motivation to become more professional, you have to learn how to love the work, not the end results. You have to learn that the end results are ambiguous, that they're completely out of your control, no matter how much practice and experience you have. You have to recognize that. Yeah. You have to enjoy the work, the process. And I wouldn't even say just trust it. You don't even need mm-hmm. to trust it. Just enjoy it. Yeah. And if you are wanting a book to read that can help you focus in on that and the importance of that, um, a book that I really like, it's simple, it's an easy read, like one page chapters, tons of gems, a shit ton of gems is the practice by Seth Godin. It's a blue book. 
It's great. It's just gems on gems. And it's so heavily saturated with gems that that's what makes it difficult to read is because you're reading it. And it's like, there's no fucking way that I'll remember all of this. Yeah. You feel bad. You're like, you're like, I'm not gonna like, that's the only difficult thing. I don't know it's if I told so you, good. like I'm on my second round of, um, the go-giver. Oh dude, I've read that book at least two or three times. Yeah. yeah I'm on my second round now. Nice. Yeah. It's such a, that's an important book. Um, but again, this is something that I always recommend. Like, outside kind of unrelated to this if you want to see how much you want something you should be able to like you know you want something if you're willing to read books for that thing <laughs> like i think that reading books sucks reading sucks ever that, that's the vast majority most people don't read but if you're willing to go out of your way to read a fucking book here and there to to read that is not it's the second best thing to a mentor first off like edited pure knowledge knowledge edited down to a book is mm -hmm. so it's so unfathomably valuable okay it's the second best thing to a straight up mentor okay um on top of that it's a great way to determine how much you want something if you aren't willing to read books aren't willing to grow your education knowing that it sucks for everybody nobody enjoys that much if you can't learn how to enjoy it <laughs> If you aren't willing to put up with it, then th that's probably like the baseline. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's probably the baseline. And and I will say, <sighs> you'd be surprised how many people that are doing well read books or think about these sort of things. And no. it's it's um, there's a lot of secret hidden knowledge in books. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. I want you to assume and allude to many different things. There's Elude. a lot of secret knowledge that is openly available, that is hidden under openly available books in the public library. And the difference between someone wealthy and someone not is not something that cannot be found in a book. <laughs> yeah. It can be found in books. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Um, I hope that this episode was empowering. I hope it kind of gave you an idea um, of what is high quality music. I hope that this podcast helps you to continually find uh, find the motivation to continue to be consistent, to work on your consistency, to work on your professionalism, um, to take steps towards a professional career. And uh, as always, we're a resource. We're on Discord. You can always ask questions on our Discord, mixingmusicpodcast.com slash Discord. Um, just go to mixingmusicpodcast.com. And if you want more technical tips, like how to use microphones, how to use different EQs, things like that, um, go to mixingmusicpodcast.com slash exclusive where James and I do technical episodes twice a week, every single week, and it should double the catalog. And those, those episodes, the exclusive episodes are ad free. So go check those out. Um, and on that note, Lou, do you want to say anything as we close out? Yeah. Stop being a bitch and just put it out. <laughs> there we go. Love that. <laughs> love that aggression. All right. On that note, happy mixing my friends and stay saucy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.